Welcome into another episode of the Five Foot Nothing, Hundred Nothing Podcast. I'm your host, and I am Five Foot Nothing, a Hundred Nothing. Alright guys and gals, I know I got some ladies that listen to this show, thank you. Um, we got a special show today. Um, it's a big game, it's Notre Dame versus Clemson, uh, the biggest game on our schedule outside of the hated USC, but in terms of talent on the other side of the football, probably going to be our toughest game of the year. So the only way to preview this properly is bringing in someone who knows more about Clemson football than maybe even Dabo Sweeney. I don't know for sure. It's possible. But I got my buddy, Casey the Beef Cregan, all the way from South Carolina, to Fusky Island, South Carolina, where he's waking up to sunshines and boat rides and convertible golf cart rides. and He's living the life, guys. He really is. Casey, what's up, dude? What's up, Palco? It's a pleasure, man. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, it's, uh, you're making my life seem rather glamorous, but it's it's working. I'm a working man, just like everybody else. But glad to be here. Big week for both of us. Uh, just excited to talk about it a little bit. Yeah, this is something I've been waiting for. Uh, I, I was trying to think back. I know if you guys are interested, if you want to go all the way back. I looked it up, episode 9, go check it out, Snow Day with Beef. You really learn uh, the history of me and Beef. We knew each other before we knew each other. My first Notre Dame game was uh, Notre Dame, Virginia, kickoff classic, 1989, Meadowlands, East Rutherford, New Jersey. Uh, the man I'm talking to right now, who I've never met in person, was at that game. We were trying to meet up, it just never materialized. Probably because I was 5 and he was 12. But... Um, but no, it, I started this podcast and I became friends with Casey and I've been waiting and waiting and waiting for Notre Dame Clemson game to do this exactly. And because of, uh, my schedule and Casey's schedule, which I'm going to give him a chance to plug everything he's involved with, which that might take up the whole show. I try to stand there an hour, but when Casey starts talking about all the things he's involved with, that might be the whole show. Uh, the only downside of this preview is Notre Dame isn't the past five years Notre Dame, which we'll get into a little bit. Um, but before I go any further, real quick, I got to do it. It is a Saturday. We got to make a count. Saturdayscount.com. Please go there. Put in promo code ND5, ND, the number five, 40% off your entire order. It's a great deal. I know Casey already went there and got a shirt. I went there and got a shirt for my dad. It's, it's. A, I don't know how long the deal is going to last. Honestly, I don't know how long the guys at Saturday's Counter are going to let this run. But please go there, do it while you can. I'm, I'm hoping it runs through at least the end of the football season, give you an opportunity. But Saturday'sCount.com promo code ND five. Only so many Saturdays, make them count. All right, let's get into this, buddy. Um, first thing I noticed, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but. The scores look like Syracuse, or I'm doing it again. 
I'm doing it again. It's orange. It's the orange thing. You know what it is? I want to play Syracuse again. That's the problem. I want to right. play Syracuse. Right your sheet. Right The scores for Clemson look somewhat dominant in a lot of areas outside of maybe the Wake Forest game. But And the, the Syracuse game is closer than it really is. But I went back and looked, and it looks like Clemson's actually – not as dominant as some of the scores indicate. Am I wrong there? I, I don't know if you're wrong. I think you could have gone. You could have said either way. Actually, there saying they were more dominant than they than they were, or less dominant than they were. And I'm not sure you would have gotten an argument out of me. There's there's certain things that me as a I know you gave me a lot of credit here, but as like kind of a layman um, football fan, I didn't play it growing up. I just watched it a lot and so I feel like I know something but the coaches know way more than I it feels like Clemson makes adjustments really well and it started probably about 2012 2013 Venable's second year at Clemson and it and it seems like that's huge this year especially defensively so games have been closer in the first half I believe than maybe they should have you look at Furman even uh, an FCS team. Uh, Louisiana Tech was in the game early. Uh, Georgia Tech was was ten three at the end of the first quarter. So these games were extremely close, especially in the first half. And really, where Clemson has has made their dominance is in the second half. And West Goodwin, the new DC, and we're finding is the brains behind Venables was it had really has made some wonderful adjustments. Syracuse looked dominant on offense, could do anything they wanted to against Clemson in the first half, and then could do nothing in the second half. So, unfortunately, you're down 21-10 at halftime. The end of the game, I know you talked about it on your last, on your recap or your uh, preview for uh, Syracuse, uh, that game wasn't, shouldn't have been that close. Four turnovers, it's part of the game, you get it, but it shouldn't have been that close. It should have been a 41-21 kind of game like, like Notre Dame had with them. Um, but yeah, to answer your question short-windedly, I think I, if you're looking at scoreboards, yes, you're going to say, wow, these games are a lot closer than they should have. Wake was a great game. It, it was just a great game. It was Wake being the Wake that we thought they should be. It, 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 it wasn't the uh, eight turnovers and nine possessions, six in the third quarter, <laughs> uh, two pick sixes. Uh, that was That made Iowa look really functional. It was anyway. – and I like watching them. I, I know people probably uh, are often at ACC football, but I love watching Wake Forest. I love Sam Hartman. And, and I the, watched for three possessions, and it happened to be the three possessions in a row that they, that they uh, turned the ball over. I was done. I had to turn it off. Well, that, that slow mesh that they run, uh, they do it well. And then Stanford did it against us. And I'm just losing my mind watching Stanford because it's Stanford who was on an 11-game losing streak versus not just Power 5, but any one of the 131 FBS schools. Well, 130 because they can't play themselves. Um, they had an 11-game losing streak, and then come to Notre Dame and win, and they're doing this slow mesh where I'm not even joking. It was the McKee, the quarterback, and the running back, Philkins. You're just watching them stand next to each other, and you're like, 1-1,000. One, one, are we going to – they had like this protective bubble – and again, it wasn't – Wake Forest has that thing humming. 
unless you do what they did against Louisville in the third quarter, then it doesn't really matter. But uh, yeah, no, Wake Forest is is legitimate. But I did notice you referenced Furman. Um, I need. Did you watch the game? Did you watch Furman Clemson? Oh yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't turn off a game regardless. Okay. Uh, I watch it, every minute like you like well, you yes. with Notre Dame. Yes. Well, no. This this is uh, my brief uh, Clemson bashing moment. Where did where did you find that game? Because Notre Dame's on national television. Where did you find Furman Clemson? I'm just ESPN Plus. Oh, okay. Okay. That's, that's the beauty of the ACC television contract is that we're always on ESPN Plus. <laughs> okay. It's like guys with Peacock, you know, you got to pay for that. I, yeah, don't, don't, that's, the Peacock game happened. We're, rant, rant not happening. But I did notice, and I need to understand how this is even possible, Furman outgained Clemson? Oh, yeah, yeah, big time. And it, it wasn't like, oh, you know, Clemson just had, Furman got 384 yards. It wasn't chump chump change. It wasn't like BS yards. 384 is legit. Yeah, we had we had. I mean, I can make all the excuses all day, but Furman was. We were Furman's Super Bowl, and at the time they were very healthy. Um, I thought they were really going to surprise in the FCS. They're really well coached. Uh, the quarterback is a baller, a gamer. He's a transfer from. Charleston Southern or something like that, another another small school that, that was just, he was tough as nails. Uh, they kept running these screens, which at the beginning of the year, if, if Tommy Reese was looking at uh, how to beat Clemson's defense, he would have gone screen, and they were running these screens, and it was killing Clemson, and then uh, a lot of defensive uh, linemen were out. We had a linebacker out, a couple DBs out, so it was one of those things that you can make excuses. Obviously, I just did. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a rough watch, no question. And a lot of that happened in the second half when the game was kind of. I I figured I figured I didn't go through the play by play to see how the stats accumulated. I just noticed that. But you it, play a team like that, you expect to have yardage like you saw against Syracuse in the second half, like fifty four yards total. You know, yeah. it, it, nine, but they gained forty on the last drive. Yeah. But it, it wasn't, and so I think people were pretty frustrated. After that game, and Louisiana Tech in the first half, I was at that game. Uh, they ran it and, and threw it all over Clemson in that first half. So, yeah, the, the stats are deceiving, man. But yeah, I know, and and that's why I say like you look at the scores, both uh, <clears throat> like Furman thirty-five twelve, like it's it's a weird number. Georgia forty or Georgia Tech forty-one ten, but I didn't feel like Clemson was thirty-one points dominant throughout the game. Um, and then you see like Syracuse twenty seven twenty one. Well, that's the reverse. It wasn't even that close, even though it came across that way. Um, but real quick, you're giving Tommy Reese way too much credit, by the way. <laughs> oh, if, if he watches this, he's gonna see all those screens. No, it don't. He, you could, you could show him whatever you want. He's gonna find a way to run what he wants to run, regardless of what might work. And that's my biggest fear. Saturday is. We're going to figure out something that works to a degree. Um, it's not going to be running 56 times for 246 yards. I can – I mean, am I wrong? I, I think we're going to have to throw it a little bit to beat Clemson. Uh, I don't know if you saw, but uh, Clemson in the second. And it might work in the first half. You may get some, and you may, may enjoy it. Um, again, Clemson can't they, – they're kind of bend, don't break – um, as long as the game's close or relatively 
relatively close at halftime. Marcus Freeman said it in his press conference this week. You got to put these boys away because even down 11 points, and they were not out of that game by any stretch. And even as a fan, I, I'm negative Nelly when it comes to watching Clemson. Um, pessimistic as all get out. And I felt good still about 21-10 at halftime. So uh, you may have something that works in the first half, but they completely shut down Sean Tucker in the second half uh, of that Syracuse game and made, made Garrett Schrader try to beat him with their with his legs, and he was spied the whole day, or with the Rondé Gaston, as you guys saw. Yeah. He couldn't. And, and they were dropping balls and stuff. It, it was it was tough. So I don't remember the question, but I went on. <laughs> well, I will say so. Uh, real quick, me and you talked about Schrader, and he didn't run against Notre Dame, but did against Clemson. And what was that? Turns out the guy was hurt. I guess I don't know. It, it, I say I don't know how much truth there is, but there's got to be some, just because. He didn't run at all. There was nothing attempted, designed, or otherwise. He looked like garbage in the first half and didn't even play the second half. So <clears throat> it's it's tough to com- totally compare, you know, transitive property rules and you know trying to compare who, common opponents and all that. I don't know that the Syracuse game for Notre Dame and Clemson is that comparable from a defensive perspective. Given Schrader obviously had something going on, which <clears throat> we didn't learn till after. In fact, ABC didn't even learn till after. Um, Joe Testor sucks, first of all, but they were unaware that there was uh, any type of ailment with Schrader. Which, and I don't know that you you probably know more than this because you've been on the sidelines at a. Uh, college football game, but this team has some insider information, but wouldn't certain details be given to the booth so they can call the game? Regardless of how bad they are, at least have relevant information. Like, hey, our quarterback may not make it through this game. He's not 100%. As opposed to having, as you pointed out, I did listen to the MBG uh, podcast that's another guys. Go listen to Message Board Genius podcast. It's awesome, and I'll give Casey a chance to talk about that here uh, eventually. But you talked about the opening. Garrett Schrader's seventy percent completion. Garrett Schrader's this. Garrett Schrader's that. Garrett Schrader's pick six to Brandon Joseph. Well, that was quick. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, so comparing Notre Dame and Syracuse and Clemson and Syracuse, I don't know that you're going to get a ton out of that. But offensively, I think you can. And here's what concerns me. Syracuse, probably the best defense Notre Dame has played so far outside of Ohio State. And we put up 10 against Ohio State. And despite losing to Stanford and Marshall, and Syracuse is probably going to be the best defense since Ohio State. And yes, we ran the ball. But here's the thing. When you we ran the ball, that's tremendous. Syracuse was also giving up, uh, I don't know, one hundred and thirty something yards per game on the ground. Do you do you know what Clemson gives up on the ground per game and where it ranks in the country? I don't. Okay, well I'm gonna I'm gonna help everybody out. So we played a team that was decent. It's like one hundred and thirty. Uh, I have to go back and look, but I'm not going to because I'm just gonna ruffle. 
But Syracuse is giving up like 130-something yards a game, ranked about 30, I think it was like 37th in the country, whatever it was. Clemson gives up 85.9 yards per game and ranked 4th in the country. And you could argue, oh, they played Georgia Tech and Furman, Louisiana Tech, who, by the way, had six rushing yards against Clemson. Really, really crushing it. Um, all six of them. I wonder, I wonder if La, La Tech knows which six yards they were. I mean, there weren't many of them. They could probably point out which six rushing yards they were. Um, Wake Forest isn't really a running team. They're more of a Sam Hartman passing team. North Carolina State, Devin Leary. Boston College is backup college. They suck. Florida State. Syracuse, you could go ahead. Uh, Florida State is comparable in the backfield to Notre Dame, and I uh, I was on one of your friends' spaces last night, and that's one thing that you guys haven't played them yet this year. But as far as I'm not saying the talent necessarily, although their top end talent is good, but they run three guys out there, um, so it's kind of comparable. So look at those numbers. Okay. I, I don't, darn, look at those numbers, and maybe. Maybe you can get a, a comparison there, a comparable, a, a good comparable. You're right about every other one, and, and that's the thing. So, and and I, I I don't I don't get too bogged down in stats unless things are obvious. Like for example, if you look at Notre Dame's defensive stats, you're like, what's the problem? They rank 30th in points per game, 21st in total yards per game, 39th in rushing yards per game, 45th yards per carry, 34th in uh, passing yards per game. So, yeah, it's not top 10, but it's top, what, 20% of the country? Like, it, those numbers will win you football games. Okay, so you look at that, you're like, oh, Notre Dame's defense is great. Mm, yes, but there's too much within the game that will drive you insane. Uh, missed tackles. Uh untimely blitzes that leave your true freshman cornerback on an island to not and not even in a good way. Like <clears throat> at least if you put him on an island somehow, put him on the boundary where you have a built in defender. No, 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 no. We're going to put him on the hash where every route in the route tree is possible. And he has to guess. It's it's like you're, you're setting him up because he's not, he's not there yet uh, from a football IQ perspective as a true freshman. And not to mention, if you do get to the red zone against Notre Dame's defense, we will let you have points. It's it's like Halloween. Do you you want field goal or touchdown? I'll, I, your call. Trick or treat. Field goal or touchdown. Because uh, if you guys don't know these stats, it, it's sad. Um, now Notre Dame does only give up two and a half possess, possessions per game in the red zone, which ranks thirteenth in the country. Unfortunately, I mentioned it last episode, we give up 100% <laughs> scoring percentage. And I wish it was like, oh, what is it? Out of 20 possessions, which is the number, like 10 field goals, 10 touchdowns? Oh, no, 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 no. We're, we're, we're giving you the full-size candy bar almost every time. We're giving you all of it. Touchdowns, 17 out of 20 times. The other three are field goals. Um, so we're limiting the possessions, but when you get in there, it's free. It's free game. Um, so we don't need to be giving out the full-size candy bars to Clemson because that, that could be an issue. And I think that is a good thing for Notre Dame in, in this sense that we limit the red zone possessions. I didn't really see 
again, I'm going statistically, looking at their longs and numbers. I didn't, and I've seen enough of Clemson to feel like I'm making this educated statement. They don't seem to be the explosive offense that Ohio State could be, or we've seen from Tennessee to go totally at the highest of highs and explosiveness. Clemson seems more methodical, and where Notre Dame has been burned with the game within the game, where the numbers look great at the end of the day, but, oh, yeah, we gave up a 70-something yard run to UNLV. We gave up a, a 50-something yard run to Marshall. It, those little things, and uh, North Carolina gave up two 50-something yard touchdown passes. Am I wrong in that Clemson is more on the slow burn side of things to where, like, for example, I had somebody tell me that, oh, Notre Dame is so bad this year, Clemson's going to win by uh, three touchdowns. And I said, no, they won't. Not because Notre Dame is that good or Clemson can't win. It's that I don't think the style of football that's going to be played on Saturday is going to lend itself to either team. Winning by three touchdowns. Yeah, and I, I, I really believe the weather is going to come into play, too. found out last night that it's probably going to be, the, the temperature is going to be about 55 degrees, which isn't an issue. But apparently wind and rain, which yes. I, I don't know if you know this, pal, but apparently every time Clemson and Notre Dame have to play, they have to play in, like, driving winds and rains. The, the good yeah, news is... The good news is Brian Kelly's not the coach, so we won't throw it 30-some-odd times in a hurricane. Go on. What you were saying about explosives, here it is. Basically, can Clemson be explosive? Yes. Do they have an alpha number one receiver? No. And I say that, and in my brain, Bo Collins' name is screaming. Bo Collins had five touchdowns in the first six weeks, was the number one receiver, had multiple passes of over 25 yards then all of a sudden has gone completely I don't know if if defenses are now scheming for him or what uh, but he hasn't I'm not sure he's caught a pass in the last two weeks Uh, the good news for Clemson fans is that they've really been using the tight ends a lot and there are two stud tight ends under the radar stud tight ends in Davis Allen and Jake Brainstool Brainstool 6 foot 7 so you're going to have to he, deal with that a little he, bit. He sounds um, like a big white guy just running down the middle of the field. They're both big white guys. But okay. the slow burn has been what's worked. The slow burn has been kind of, I don't know. You're, you're going to see slow mesh. You're going to see slow mesh this week. Uh, I, I truly believe it's, it's kind of come the last few weeks. It's going to happen. But the running backs, Shipley's more of a, a, a power back, but he's got speed. Not the breakaway speed of what Clemson fans have been used to with ETN, Travis ETN, and even Wayne Gallman before him, but he is fast. Moffat can break it, and he's strong. So um, from the running game, like Shipley had a 50-yard run against Syracuse. So it can happen. Um, but, yeah, I think long-windedly again, sorry, about the, I, mm-hmm. I think it is more has been a slow-burn offense, just grinding out drives. Third and long hasn't really been an issue this year. If I wrote a book on the 2021 season, it would have been called third and eight because if it was third and eight or longer, there was no chance Clemson was getting the first down. Like, no chance. I think they were 11% if it was third and eight or longer. 
this year they're running about 70. I'm probably overstating that, but uh, it's about a 50% chance third and eight. I wouldn't say third and 12, but between third and eight, third and 10, they're getting it. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's been a slow burn, but they're, they're still, they have some explosive in them, and we're just waiting for it to break out, and we haven't seen it quite yet. Well, uh, a couple of things you had <clears throat> said. You're talking about Collins. So, again, if you're only looking at stats, and that's why I'm glad I've got you on here, is uh, – and I just wrote down last names because, well, when you play football, nobody cares about your first name. Um, but Williams is your leading receiver, 29 catches, 364 yards, two touchdowns. But a true – what's that like? Talk to talk. Hold on, everybody, everybody, Notre Dame fans, everybody. If I could blow a foghorn to get everybody in here right now, uh, you only you have a true freshman receiver leading your receiving core. He's a little. He, I guess he would probably be categorized as a slot receiver. Like However, what was it? Uh, Rogers. What, what what was his name? Amari Rogers. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Very similar to Amari Rogers, and he catches. Everything. True freshman, five star, four star, depending on what you what you looked at. A wealth of riches, in state kid. Um, he's just been he, he's been the most consistent receiver that Clemson's had. Again, you're looking at the stats. He hasn't broken one necessarily, but man, it's an extension of the run game, and you have a little little shifty back or shifty well, that, back that can make people miss. And that, he's so so reliable. That's what I was gonna say because his average yards per reception is only twelve point six. I say only, like, but when you're talking about past... Broken some. What's... Is he, he's the one type that catches it behind the line. Uh, okay. Well... Couple passes to him. Well, here's, well, here's what our... Let me just say, our true freshman wide receiver that has been talked about since camp is... Oh, he's his catch radius is insane. He can, he's, he can jump with the best of him. He'll moss the crap out of you. So we're like, all right, sweet. He's got um, now. Hold on to your chairs. One catch for forty-one yards all season, but it is a touchdown. Got to give him credit for that. And your true freshman's got twenty-nine catches. Amazing. But uh, but it's funny. What I was gonna say is that you talking about Collins, and he he kind of mixes in there. Uh, Nada and that guy is it Nada. Engada. Engada. Okay, I didn't know if the G was silent. Engada. Um, he's he's averaging sixteen point two yards a catch. Collins is sixteen point one yards a catch, and then you got your tight ends who have combined for seven touchdowns. And you can tell by their their numbers: twenty catches, two sixty five, fifteen, one sixty three. It's it's tight end numbers, you know. Um, and meanwhile, our badass tight end is forty seven catches, five hundred eighty yards, and six touchdowns. And that is our entire passing game. Uh, I did enjoy the uh, the the obvious, and I know I, you saw it. You commented on it. I put it on Twitter. <laughs> the defensive coordinator for Clemson. Well, I think you know how do you stop Notre Dame? Is you, you got to stop eighty seven and and slow down the run game. Yeah, like that's full. We're done. If that <laughs> if you do that, we are in serious trouble. Like. And that's the problem. Tommy Reese isn't going to go off of that. But you did say real quick, uh, talking about last year, third and eight, the difference is clearly, without question, DJU. And I'm just going to call him DJU because 
I'm out of respect for Casey being on my show. DJ Uyunglele. Look at you. Hey. See, I should be in the damn booth. I can say last names. That's one of the requirements to be in a booth, I swear to God. Uh, it's I'm not even joking. I, I've seen it and talked about like if you have trouble saying difficult last names, you'll never be on a broadcast. Like it's just well, what about, before you get into it, remember what your thought. Yeah. What what's your defensive tackle's last name? Jason Adam Adam Malola. How about your Mike linebacker backup junior Tui Ha Oh, that one's fun. Tui <laughs> Junior Tui Halamaka. <laughs> I I can't Leah Fowl. See, like, I mean, come on, you got four of these dudes on the Yeah, we got, we got, well, the, the Adam Alola brothers, twins actually, um, they're, I don't, I don't know their background. I want to say just, it's like very African driven, but uh, Tui Alamaka and Leah Fowl are Hawaiian. They're Polynesian, you know. But I, I can't wait for, because Tui Alamaka, was a very highly touted uh, recruit. In fact, he's getting a lot of playing time, special teams wise. He's been getting in on the field. I just want him to be good because that's a fun name to just. Every, you know, every time I hear it, I think of Christmas Vacation. Meliki Liki Maka. There needs to be a song for that guy. Tui Halamaka. I know there's always these games when you're talking about depth charts and stuff. And one of the, one of the things I do is write, for, write the opponents. I kind of do a little bit of a um, opponent research is what we call it, but to kind of depth chart, I look a little deeper into these opponents that Clemson's playing. And I, I thought it was funny that your leading tackler is J.D. Bertrand, who I know and seen, and middle linebacker, he's wonderful, he's a junior, he's, he's, he's all over the field. But it says J.D. Bertrand or junior to a lot of the because there's no chance that junior's taken over Bertrand as the starter, but he's still oh. right now. Well, see, our depth chart should have just a picture of an oar, like a boat rowing oar, at the top. Because if you go, we are just all we love the oar, we love the oar, and like even with the running backs, which obviously estimate or Tyree or Diggs. Well, no kidding, um, but we just love throwing the oar around, and and the depth chart will never be uh, accurate for this week. Now, like for example, Merriweather. We expect him to get more snaps. He got more snaps last week. We expect him to progress. He's never going to show up on the, or say never going to show up on the depth chart. But if he does, it's going to be about three weeks from now. And you're going to be like, oh yeah. I remember when he was, you know, he got half the snaps of the receiver position for Notre Dame against Clemson three weeks ago. We just, we're very slow to change the depth chart. Um, But no, the DJU thing, was he hurt last year? Because he's the reason the third and eight is not an issue. He's 64% isn't tremendous. It's better than Drew Pine, but it's not tremendous. But the 17 touchdowns, only four picks. But he's got 89 carries for 350. That's, I mean, he's your second leading rusher. So. Yeah, he's definitely a big part of the running game. No question about it. And yes, he was hurt last year, but I think that was more uh, along the, the whole season, rather. He hurt his finger on his throwing hand. He had what he called a boo-boo on his knee, which we found that later was a, a torn meniscus and uh, L, LCL, I think, something in the back. So he got all 
two picks two weeks ago, so let me do the math there. Seventeen and two, really going into this week. If you take, if take you can't yeah. take it away, but if you take away that one bad, we call it bad DJ game. <coughs> Excuse me, but we did. We have seen a very steady DJ Uyunglele. Last year, he was missing what we call the layups, those little those checkdowns. You know, your receivers and, and going reading one progression, and that was it. You're speaking our language now. We can relate. Go on. Go on with your one reads and not being able to throw a screen pass. Go on. I think this year he's just had a little bit of continuity at the offensive line. Are they the best group? No. Are they? Have they been the same five out there every week? Yeah. And they've been. that has really helped because now they know how he plays. He knows how they play. It's been a really good um, – really good mesh of, of that group and uh, obviously Shipley being back there helps as well he's kind of been the leader um, but DJ's just been really solid and quite honestly outside, if he didn't have last year and he had the start of the season that he had this year people should have been truly talking about him as a Heisman uh, I wouldn't say finalist but as, as a Heisman contender uh, I think last year really shrouded really, really clouded a lot of thought processes about this year and one thing about college football and don't get me on a rant here is that the the old narratives somehow live and you as Notre Dame fan you probably know this they'll they'll live on forever even if they have uh, aren't backed in any sort of fact whatsoever DJ's been great this year take away the Syracuse game he wasn't good bring in Kate Klubnick and and he hands the ball left and right and they, they end up winning but he's been fantastic for Clemson this year. Has he been Trevor Lawrence or Deshaun Watson? No, but they both had tough games as well. Well, <clears throat> as far as Heisman go, the problem <clears throat> if uh, with DJU like this year, uh, you know, again, sixty-four completion, sixty-four percent completion percentage isn't fantastic. Seventeen and four sounds great, but he's only got eighteen hundred and three yards, so it's like two twenty-five a game. That. Is not going to win you a Heisman, unfortunately. No, it, but it's been pretty complimentary football. No, no, for yeah, for yeah, but the, the, we're talking, we're we're connect, we're agreeing here. Yeah, you know? the but the fifty pound Heisman Trophy uh, doesn't care that you're playing complimentary football. That's you know, true. They they want you to be the best player on the best team and have the statistics to validate that. You know, um, but yeah, Shipley is. Um, I mean, there's some balance, you could argue, with your running back situation in the sense of you got three running backs that – I say three running backs, three runners because DJU is part of that equation. But you got three over 60 carries. Um, Mafa's at 283, uh, close to 300 yards. So you got three over 300. But Shibley's the workhorse. He's – He's got double Moffa's touches from the backfield. Like I said, Uyungle lays right in the middle there. But but you compare that to Notre Dame, and we're that's all we do. It's all about the running backs. And it actually estimate would be more dominant statistically if he didn't fumble for the third time and get benched against you uh yeah, UNLV. Um like we just can't have that. So he he's got the most carries, ninety nine for five fifty eight, averaging five point six a carry. That would probably be 
another 10 more carries if he was still in the game because what ended up happening was Diggs got 28 carries against UNLV. So Diggs and Estime look like they're getting equal touches. That's not entirely true. There is some similarities in recent weeks, but really Estime is usually five to seven more carries than Diggs. But after his third fumble, Diggs got all the work. So, but you, but you look at we got three running backs with seventy-five carries or more, all three over three hundred, but nobody over five fifty. It's there's no like uh, with Shipley, he's head and shoulders uh, in the running back room above everybody else. Obviously, Notre Dame is a great balance, and the the thing about that balance is. Will we use it, or we, will Tommy Reese use it properly? Because he just still does these things that just don't make sense where we're running the ball, we're running the ball, we're running the ball, we're running the ball. Hey, it's third and three. I know we've been getting four yards of carry, but I'm going to try a pass. For the sake of what? Like there was, I, I get that you have to, you can't just run, we can't be Navy. But at the same time, like, if it's working, what what are you trying to prove by trying to run a third and three out route that Drew Pine misses Michael Mayer by five yards and throws it out of bounds effectively, and now we got a punt? Like, what was – or it was a field goal, I think, in that situation. But what was the what was the purpose? Like, what are you doing? And then you got Chris Tyree, who's all of 5'8", like 180 pounds. I don't even I, – I might be giving him more credit than that. Uh, but – He's not dream between the tackles guy. So, yeah, we're beating Syracuse between the tackles with the two running backs that should be running between the tackles. But then out of nowhere, you're like, all right, Tyree, let, we're going to give you five carries up the gut, and you're going to get, like, barely three yards a carry because, well, we just that's what we have to do. It doesn't make any sense. And if we do it right, as you mentioned earlier, Casey, the Florida State example, do you know what Florida State ran for against you guys? Well, I'm going to help you. Um, they they ran the ball 34 times, which I think for Notre Dame, that that's a fair target number. I don't think 50s – it's going to be 35 to 40 rushes. I think that's going to be the, the happy place. Because, again, Clemson's defense is too good to just line up 56 times and run the ball. Uh, but 34 rushes – for 206 yards, an average of 6.1 yards a carry. I don't know if the 6.1 yards per carry is in the cards for, for Notre Dame, but I do think 200 yards rushing is feasible, you know, if we get to about 40 carries. Figure about five yards a carry. I just I think that's doable. Our offensive line is playing light years better than when the season started. And I, if the offensive line was what it is today, Tyler Buckner is still our starting quarterback. Now, does that mean we're seven and one instead of five and three? I, I don't know, but I'd like to see what Tyler Buckner would be able to do behind this offensive line versus uh, one Reed Pine who only see who only has eyes for Mayer. And <clears throat> that's that's going to be an issue because if we're able to run effectively and. I mean, Florida State also threw for 250. It wasn't like they... Okay, yeah, yeah. So, but let, let me finish the thought. I want I want to hear the, you 
go inside the numbers because I'm just, again just looking at the stats. It looks decent, right? Uh, well, eh, 24-42 for Jordan Travis. That's not great. We can't be throwing the ball forty. If we throw the ball forty-two times, we're in trouble. Like that's not gonna work for for this Notre Dame team. But if we can run thirty-five to forty times and we're getting four and a half five yards of carry, there has to be opportunities. To, to get a, a, a chunk play in the passing game. Assuming Drew Pine understands that you have to go through your progressions and you have to utilize your entire wide receiver group. And I mentioned it on my last show when I was recapping the Syracuse game. We want to, oh, it's the receivers can't get open. The receivers can't do this. Receivers can't do that. I, we're seeing more and more that no. It's unfortunate it's Drew Pine. Merriweather's gotten open. He's made a play. Now we can't get the ball to him. Lindsey has been running wide open most of the year. Balls are not getting his way and when the attempts are inaccurate. Uh, Styles is our, still our number one receiver. He's got a little bit of a dropsy thing going on, but he's still our number one. Jaden Thomas has been making plays. So it doesn't need to just be Michael Mayer. And I, I'll keep saying this. You can use Michael Mayer... As a decoy, I know ideally you don't want to use your best receiving option in that fashion, but you can set up plays to draw the coverage to him and open up other stuff, and it happens. And what does Drew Pine do? Still finds a way to try to force it to him in triple coverage and quadruple coverage, and it shockingly is not successful. That's the part that drives me insane is whether it was designed that way or not, fact of the matter is look at what was just presented to you with the time you have and you're going to freak out when you, and maybe not against Clemson, but I'm hoping so. You're going to see multiple occasions where Drew Pine is more than enough time to do what, what he should be able to do, which is find the open receiver or, okay, that's not working, tuck and run. Instead against Syracuse, he stands there, stands there, stands there, then just get blasted. And there was a moment of like, does Angeli have to come in? Like You just want to see, maybe Angeli has to come in here. But you can't just target Mayer and that that just be it, especially when he gets triple covered. Perfect. It worked. Everybody went to Mayer. Where's the next guy? And he just doesn't do it. Okay, so the Florida State stuff. 206 rushing, 254 passing. Which one is misleading? The passing. They, they okay. had 154 yards from 922 left in the fourth quarter until the end of the game. That game was 34-14 with nine minutes and 22 seconds left okay. in the game. So they fought back, and, and I hats off. Like I, I found a newfound respect for Florida State that night because the Florida State teams of Willie Taggart, the Florida State teams of Jimbo Fisher, the Florida State teams of maybe even Bobby Bowden would have, would have curled up and died. They did not in that particular game. I actually looked at a friend of mine that night, and I said, if we go up by 20, 20 points, this game's over. And they fought back and had a chance. They, they kicked an onside kick there with like two minutes and 30 seconds left in the game to have an opportunity to get the ball and, and run down the score. It got me a little nervous, but that 154 yards, most of it came through the air. That's why I'm going to say that the passing yards were a little bit skewed there. Um, we we're playing that, you know, prevent defense, which prevents you from winning. And nothing behind you, everything in front of you. So they were dinking and ducking down the field. So that was a little bit. But aren't there that... Aren't there those things in every game? Aren't there those some misleading? That's why the, the guys and gals that are 
and I get it. We have to look at the stats, right? We have to look at the stats. I do that for opponent research. That's what I'm doing majority of the time is looking at the stats and trying to gain knowledge from that. But there's always that inside the numbers thing. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, speaking of inside the numbers, I was going to jump into just comparing the teams statistically and kind of ask you a few questions. Um, So Clemson is number 13 in the country in scoring at points per game, 37.4. I was act- and I I know how math works and I love it but I know how it works and just like your last four games twenty seven thirty four thirty one thirty but then you had a fifty one and a forty eight in there I guess I was I was fully expecting when I went there I don't know why I just felt like <clears throat> the scoring offense for Clemson was going to be closer to thirty not forty um. Are you surprised to know that it was 37 points per game? Does it feel like they're scoring 37 points a game? It doesn't, no. Uh, but, but games like Florida State, games like Syracuse even, um, that it just has become very easy on the offensive side. And, and I'm jaded because of last year. Last year it was such a struggle to get any points. Uh, I think they averaged less than 25 points a game a season ago. So yeah. you're jaded that way. So to be closer to 40 this year, it doesn't feel like it, uh, but they are good enough. And, and there's no question about that. And that's not even me being biased. They are good enough. They have athletes all over the field. You joked the other day about you replaced the five-star quarterback with another five-star quarterback. And the joke is even further. There's another five-star quarterback behind that five-star quarterback. So uh, well, granted, well, it was five years ago. I was going to say, didn't he yo-yo like all over the country and end up back at Clemson? He just went to Northwestern and then back to Clemson. But, uh, yeah, you may be thinking of Chase Bryce who yo-yoed to, to yeah. come back, but he went to Duke and then App State. But, um, do, you, do you think, real, real quick, totally, uh, take take the exit with me. We'll come back to the highway. Uh, I'm going, watch me for the changes. And try to keep oh, up. see? You got me so distracted. I didn't even say that. Watch for the changes and try to keep up. Um, you think Bryce is going pro? You think he has that possibility? Just because of... He he showed to be decent at Duke. I don't know why he left Duke. I don't know the the story behind it, but um, Duke sucks. Maybe that's what it is. But um, now he's making a name for himself at App State. The you... why not? He's gonna get invited. Okay. I don't know if he'll get drafted necessarily, but he's got the body. He's got the arm strength. And they're five and three, so the 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 shine is kind of off of them. It's fu- like tonight, as a matter of fact, Thursday night. Okay. It's, and- it's funny, you, you get a, a a quarterback transfer, and we're still talking about him. Notre Dame beating out quarterbacks transfer, and you never hear from him again. Malik Zaire, uh, Everett Golson, they just <laughs> fall by the wayside. Thanks for trying out. Um, but the other, uh, and there's a lot of stats that are quite, oh, real quick. Notre Dame is averaging 28.4 points per game. And like the uh, Clemson side, I was shocked the number was that high. I I was like I was thinking like twenty, <laughs> but twenty eight points a game. All right, go Irish. Uh, the problem is we've absolutely taken advantage of uh, UNLV and North Carolina, and even UNLV should have been like sixty points instead of forty four. But um, both teams run the ball. Uh, effectively, 
191 yards to 186 yards per game, uh, 4.5 yards a carry to 4.4. There's some similarities there, and I do think Notre Dame's rush defense will probably be the best Clemson's faced all season. That's going to be something to watch uh, without question. And Notre Dame does a good job of <clears> – <throat> but, again, we just have these random – Up oh, there he goes for 50 yards for no reason. It is what it is. But where Notre Dame is this like one of those, you know, are we going to go through the formality of this? All right, let, let's go. Um, Notre Dame's defense, as I already mentioned, 100% conversion percentage from the opponent. And you're like, well, is that is that good or bad versus Clemson? Well, I don't know. They rank fifth in the country offensively in uh, red zone conversions. 97%. I think you missed one. All season, you had one time in the red zone where you didn't convert it into points. And that does not bode well. Meanwhile, Notre Dame's side, we're 84%. So that could be uh, the red zone inefficiency on Notre Dame's side could be something that makes all the difference in this game. And especially when I say we're giving out touchdowns like the, the full-size candy bars. If, if we can... That's what it's going to – it's got to be if you get down there. It's got to be field goals. It's the only way. And for Notre Dame, it's got to be touchdowns. And our inefficiency in the red zone, that just goes back to Tommy Reese's uh, – I I don't even know what to call it. It's he, – he's trying to outsmart his own self. Like, there's just plays that – I'm not even asking for this massive creativity, but you've got, I think, Merriweather's like 6'4", 6'5". We made a living when Michael Floyd was at Notre Dame throwing a a fade to Michael Floyd. Just jump ball to Michael Floyd. You tell me Merriweather can't do that? And when you got most DBs who are probably not 6'4", 6'5", you got Michael Mayer who can box out anybody, probably like you would rebound a basketball. And we're just... Not, again, not looking at our strengths, what we can do, and taking advantage of it. It's, it's this weird thing. I, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in those situations. What, what are you thinking uh, with some, like, some of those numbers? What, what, do, you, what do you think is going to give? Uh, and... It, the red zone, we know what's going to give there. Cross that one off. But in terms of both teams averaging basically 190 a game on the ground, Notre Dame only throws for 196 a game, but that need, that needs to be it. Like, it just There's no way we're getting to 250 a game, which is almost where uh, Clemson's at. But do you see their rushing game being completely oh. shut out? I think that's what I truly believe, knowing what we know about Wes Goodwin, defensive coordinator for Clemson, is that he's going to try to make, as every defensive coordinator does, but he's going to try to make Notre Dame one-dimensional. Well, what's that dimension that you would rather <coughs> Notre Dame be? <sighs> it's not football. So make Drew Pine beat you through the air. So no, I, please, I, don't. Gonna, please don't. Please <laughs> don't. Please don't do that. The good news is, for Notre Dame, I think, is that Clemson loves to play man coverage, loves to put their 
Ask Wake Forest how much fun they had against Clemson's DBs. They're getting better, but they're young. They've been hurt. Um, and it, it, Wake Forest, Sam Hartman had a field day. I know Drew Pine's not Sam Hartman, but I, I, I look at it and I see that they're going to have to take, Clemson's going to have to take the running game away from Notre Dame. Easier said than done, no question about that. But uh, we saw it a little bit. Sean Tucker got going a little bit early in the Clemson game. I say a little bit because he only had like five rushes for the whole game. He was completely neutralized after half. So it may take a, it may take Clemson's defense to a, a half to figure it out. Uh, but one of those things is going to have to give. I think if anything gives, it's going to be it's going to be that uh, from a Clemson standpoint. Yeah. As far as you guys neutralizing Clemson, I think it's the same story. Really, you got to try to shut down Shipley. I will I will let your Notre Dame fans in on a little secret, though. Phil Moffa is about as good as Shipley. He, he truly is. He's been hurt for a lot of the year. And don't sleep on Kobe Pace. He's only played two games this year, but there was a three-headed monster. I know, Notre Dame fans, you got to drink now. Uh, yeah. Was, uh, I'm going to drink my coffee. With, with Clemson in the running back room. Shipley was clearly out the alpha, but Moffa was 1B, and Pace was probably 1C. And honestly, they're probably going to lose one of them, probably Pace, at the end of the year. But Pace had a high ankle, and he's healthy. He's fully healthy. One thing Dabo tends to do is keep guys out an extra week, which, as fans, we hate, but we understand it in the long run now that we're in the championship phase. Um, so don't sleep on these three, especially the backup of the two guys. So if you shut down Shipley, which I'm not sure anybody can truly shut him down necessarily, because he's gonna, he falls forward. He's so good at gaining five yards of carry. Um, but these other two guys are a little change of pace. It, it, it's mirror images of, of Estimate Diggs and Tyree, in my mind anyway, from what I've seen. Um, just to give you guys a little pause there. Yes, if you look at the stats, you're going to scream Shipley, Shipley, Shipley. But the other two can go too. And well, I think the, the difference in your three-headed monster, everybody take a drink, in... Uh, Ours is, it's, one one head is clearly head and shoulders above the other two, to where Shipley might get worn down, and, you know, with Notre Dame, there's equal distribution, like, and here's the sad part, there's no rhyme or reason why Tommy Reese does what he does, like, Okay, why is Diggs in now and not estimate? Why is Tyree there and not Diggs? Like, what What are we doing? You know, but what I want to see, what we need to see is, because Notre Dame's, uh, Diggs is a very good pass catcher. So is Tyree. Estimate is good as well. Just, if you're going to talk about them as receivers, you're definitely going to put Diggs and Tyree ahead of estimate. There needs to be a combination of, two of them on the field multiple times. And too often, it's like this strict rotation of either one of the threes on the field. Well, if you put two of the three on the field, and it, you could put all three on the field, and you're going to stress the defense. And it's like, how, am I, how do I understand this at 9.30 in the morning in Corpus Christi, Texas, 1,300 miles away from South Bend, how do I understand that if you put all three on the field, you're going to stress the defense, uh, depending on the formation you use, which ideally two of them should be in the backfield if you've got all three, 
But if you put two on, just you split backs and then put one in motion, whatever. There's so many ways that you can make the defense think more than it needs to. And we just haven't seen it. And it's mind-boggling to me. Like, how do you not understand? You've got a workhorse in SMA, a bulldozer, and you've got Tyree who can play as a slot, and you've got Diggs who proven to be a good pass catcher. Get them in there, and then you put them split back next to Pine. Is it going to be a fake give? Is it going to be a straight handoff? Is it going to be fake? And then it just there's so many possibilities, and it just I don't we don't see it. We just don't see it. Um, and that that's what I need to see from the offense is the ability to acknowledge we have ways to stress defenses and things that have worked. Use them as a, you know, what's the word? Uh, misdirection, de- decoy, deception, lensy jet sweeps. Tremendous. Maybe fake one and throw a pass out of it. What do you say? Uh, the, the Mitchell Evans tight end sneak. You've heard me talk about it. You're going to see it. I assure you of that. And it will be a great, grand, and wonderful moment if we get a pass out of it. Because not that Clemson can't stop it, but depending on the situation, if you bring it up in a second one, third and one situation, I'm a firm believer of if you know you can get the one, you've got a play to burn. So, why not do something creative, especially in a game like this? This is put all your cards on the table game. We, we are playing to ruin your season. Okay? You want to talk about everybody's, this is their Super Bowl when they play Notre Dame. Furman playing Clemson, that's their Super This is our Super Bowl. Flip it. it. It's our chance. And USC at the end of the season is our second Super Bowl. But this is the one. You're already in the playoff rankings. You're number four. This is our chance to ruin your season. Because if you lost to a team that lost to Marshall and Stanford, you don't deserve – you should drop out of the whole top 25. Uh, But uh, I just – I need to see some innovation. And um, I will see that on Sunday night, uh, likely. Maybe late Saturday into the wee hours of Sunday morning. But – I've talked to you about it. I'm going to a concert Saturday night. Um, it's my fa- one of my favorite bands. It's mine and my wife's favorite band. Unfortunately, she can't go. She had a prior commitment, which I didn't know when I bought the tickets. But I got a buddy going. But I, I made it. I made an executive decision when I bought the tickets like a month ago. Um, what's going to bring me more joy on a Saturday night? Mind you, we had just lost to Marshall. <laughs> I was like, a Notre Dame football versus Clemson? Or shots of Jameson watching one of my favorite bands uh, play on stage, which I can record Notre Dame Clemson and watch it after the fact. So, um, unfortunately, I will miss that. But I will, of course, have the Irish car bombs going in the morning. But I just want to uh, throw that out there real quick. Hey. Well, well, I say morning, but it. No, I can't because I got uh, Grayson and Maddox got football. Um, it it'll be mid mid after it'll be afternoon, it'll be afternoon. It, what are you doing? Sorry, I got a cat going crazy. Oh, he sees the reflection of my watch. He's losing his mind. Um, yeah, no, it'll definitely. 
the car bombs will definitely come up. Uh, and I'll, I'm gonna tag you. I, I'm gonna tag you in all the Clemson stuff the rest of the the rest of the week. I can thank God uh, that I can leave conversations. You know. <laughs> yeah. So I'm gonna make sure you don't leave any conversations. You're gonna be you're gonna be tethered to Notre Dame Clemson posts that are pro Notre Dame. Um, you know, and it just. This is as I look through this stuff, you know, we talked about Notre Dame and Syracuse, and I'd love to talk about Clemson's last game, but there wasn't one. You had a, another fucking bye. The, the ACC rule, if you're worth a shit and you play Notre Dame, you must have a bye before the Notre Dame game. Is, is, that, is that in the contract? I must have missed that one. Or, no. But I don't know. You guys use that as kind of a badge of honor, but I'm a little nervous because the last DJ we saw was not the good DJ. And so you get a little nervous, and K.J. Henry, who's the star defensive end, leads the country, I believe, in quarterback hurries this year, uh, said he was going to take a bunch of naps. So there's a lot of that that you're like, oh, yeah, of course, you should take a lot of naps. And the back end, you're like, wait, you got to still get out there and practice. So I hope that they come out ready, juiced up, ready to go in a famed location of Notre Dame Stadium um, against a very good football team. So there's a little bit of fear going in. From a from a bye week, especially when you didn't get your best performance from from your leader and quarterback. Well, there, there's one thing you do have to look out for, um, and real quick, d- defensively, I really haven't touched on it because our our focus is really just the offense. Like we got to do something on offense, but I think our defensive line is going to play. I, th- I think Foskey's going to get to DJU uh, a little bit, give him some trouble. Um, our secondary is sacks, right? what's Foskey? up. Yes, yeah, guys. Guy can play. He's gonna be, um, maybe back end, first round, second round draft pick. The guy can play. Our secondary isn't great, but they're not bad. We finally got some picks going, so uh, turnovers maybe. But you gotta look out for this. And if you can message Dabo and whoever your special teams coordinator is, I would recommend letting him know we like to block punts. We're we we've, we've figured out. I don't know how you figure it out, but thank you, Brian Mason, because this this is a wild stat to me. And just seven game, eight games into the season, it's a wild stat. We have as many punt blocks as we do turnovers. It's five to five. Now you guys are minus five too, I believe, in the turnover battle. Correct. Not awesome. We we like to give it away. We don't like to take it back. You know, it's it's. Frustrating. One thing I wanted to ask you before we before we you know move necessarily forward, it came it came to me, and I'm sorry if I'm jumping in on you. No, we wait. Watch us for the changes and try to keep up. A couple of your shows that Pine has a propensity to get balls knocked down at the line of scrimmage. Correct. Look, look out for number thirty three on Clemson. Rook a row row row. That's right. That's his name. Rook a row row row. Oh, and you're and you're making fun of Tui Halamaka. You got Rook a row 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 row. Rut row. You're, you're gonna know how to say his name at the end because he knocks down passes like unbelievably. He's a defensive tackle, not necessarily a starter, um, and he just gets his hand on everything. So if he's got a propensity of, of getting balls knocked down, Clemson has, a, has has done a really nice job of doing that this season. That's another thing I want to see. If you know that's a thing, maybe, maybe roll Drew Pine out. Get, he's not. He's not immobile. He's not. Tom Brady, I'm going to keep saying he's not this 
statue quarterback. Put him on the move. Get him away from that possibility. Just just do that. So uh, we're about to wrap up because uh, my new my new rule is I go over an hour. I used to be trying to stand under an hour. Screw it. Fuck it. We're going over an hour <laughs> every time. Um, but before we get to uh, the the full wrap up, but let's finish this here. What's your prediction? Score and maybe like a quick little like game flow type of thing. What what are you looking for? What do you see? What's your prediction? I'm looking for the. Uh, you know, I'm going to hesitate to say this because of the weather forecast and the apparent wind that's coming. But I really want to see the run to, to open up the passing game. I really want to see DJU uh, use Shipley because obviously he's going to be a key for for Al Golden and, and Notre Dame's defense. But I really want to see Bo Collins get ready, get back into the flow of the game. Joseph Ngata take that next step was another wide receiver. And then a heavy, heavy use of the tight ends because they are so, so reliable along with Antonio Williams. So I'm hoping that there's a little bit of more of a passing game, more of a, uh, an opportunity to get, to get the pass going. I did do a little research. Notre Dame's 51st in, in run defense in the country. We have actually played NC State's 23rd. Just, so it's not necessarily uh. the best, but second best that Clemson's seen. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm nitpicking. No, no. Uh, my, my prediction for rubbingtherock.com, which is um, a fan-sided website for Clemson that I write for, it was 31-21 in, in Clemson's favor. I don't know, especially after hearing the weather report, that may be high. I really believe that these are two very, very, very good defenses. I think it's going to take some uh, tremendous scheming by either offensive coordinator, uh, whether it's Reese or Streeter, to figure out uh, something that works on both sides. Like I said, I hope it's a little bit of the passing game, whether it's the dink and dunk game to, to find, to go over the top and take advantage of some of those younger, younger DBs, younger secondary. I am scared of DJ Brown. I think he's a heck of a player for Notre Dame, uh, but maybe take, take advantage of Benjamin Morrison there. <clears throat> um, but yeah, I, I picked 31, 21 in Clemson's favor and, and we'll see. I, I think it's going to be closer than that. Uh, I had to make a prediction. I had to go over the, the minus four and a half, which is where I got the line. Um, but I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see this three points either way. Yeah, uh, 31-21 is fair. Um, I don't see that being a ridiculous number. Uh, but with the weather, that is something definitely to uh, consider because, again, I, I know... In totality, the numbers are great, but 64% completion from DJU, 60% from Drew Pine. Like, that's... Those aren't eye-popping numbers in terms of completion percentage. So, it's going to be a ground game, which shortens the game. I love that phrase, by the way. It shortens the game. What, we're not playing 60 minutes anymore? I just love that phrase. But we know what it means. So, what I'm I'm just looking for some Tommy Reese. I'm going to keep saying it. Innovation acknowledgement of what we can and can't do and build upon that. Utilize your personnel properly, effectively. And I do think Notre Dame's confidence from a running game standpoint is high. I think defensively there's confidence. I just I have concerns about the passing game. But and I I'm I'm realistic. 
I'm, you know me. I, I didn't pick Notre Dame to beat Ohio State. You know, I, I didn't see that happening. But I am going to pick Notre Dame to win here. 24-20. I think, again, 31-21, 24-20. That's absolutely a realistic score for this. And is my confidence high on Notre Dame winning? Not really. What I, I think is going to happen, Notre Dame's going to make a play on special teams and defense that's going to limit the opportunity for the offense to be what it's been, to be a limiting factor in its fullest, fullest extent. If it only comes down to what the offense does, I could see 31-21. But if what I feel like the confidence has been built over these first eight games, defensively and special teams-wise, they're going to show up and make some kind of play, and that's we're going to steal a possession in some capacity, and that's going to be the difference. But I do think it's going to be a close game. Uh, it's going to be fun to rewatch for me. Uh, and, yeah, heads up. I am going zero dark 30. I will be muting all notifications, everything, <clears throat> until I actually watch this game because this is this is a huge game. And I would have, <clears throat> you know, in a perfect world, I get to do it all and there's 37 hours in a day instead of 24 and I could go to my boy's football games, my other son's baseball game, and go to the concert and watch Notre Dame all live and in the moment. Uh, unfortunately... Life doesn't happen that way. But I want to watch it as if it is live. That's will always be my rule. So whenever I do get to it, I'll you'll know I've watched it, regardless of the outcome. You'll know I've watched the game. Um so before we get out of here, and I and I'm telling you, Beef, I'm not gonna right now. I don't I know your address. Remember this. I've mailed you plenty of stuff. I've never met you in person, but this might be the first time. If you start skipping and waving. Across across the field at South, Notre Dame Stadium in South Bend, I'm going to personally find you and pummel you outside the locker room. No no skipping, no waving, no inciting riots. It, I, I, I'm telling you, Beef, I, if, if, I see one, if I see one Clemson player start skipping, if I can skip to my loo, uh, I'm... First flight out of Corpus to Defusky Island. I don't even know if you can land on it, but I will make it land. Your ass is grass, and I'm a lawnmower. That's perfect. Speaking of... What's that? That's still last week. (laughs) Which brings me to my next point. Speaking of uh, skipping and waving, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody... What you're connected to, um, and I will introduce you with this at from Sluggo, just simple as can be at from Sluggo on Twitter. And where can everybody find you? Because it's a lot of places. Yeah, well, I, first and foremost, thank you for, for having me on here today. So I appreciate it. Your friendship is invaluable to me. But uh, you can find me uh, at Sluggo Podcast, which is, which is a Clemson centric podcast. Uh, chopping beef, which is three buddies just basically drinking beers and talking about sports, kind of. Uh, also, if you know, if you're on Twitter and you follow Message Board Geniuses, he now has a podcast, the MBG Podcast. I help out on that show as well, and I also write a little bit for RubbingTheRock.com, as I mentioned earlier. 
which is a fan-sided website. So we're not journalists. We're just fans out there writing articles. And one thing that you may you may find interesting is is my opponent research article that is that will land tomorrow on rubbingtherock.com. Just a little bit of insight on Notre Dame. I'd love your feedback to say I don't know what I'm talking about or say, wow, that was really interesting. Either way, it doesn't matter to me. I love the engagement. But, again, pal, thanks so much. for. I, I truly enjoy this show, uh, even when I'm not on it. So thanks for having me, and uh, appreciate you letting me plug that. I, you're very welcome, and thank you. And what was the most important piece of information that's going to change the entire game on Saturday that you learned about Notre Dame and a particular coach? That Al Golden <laughs> went to Red Bank Catholic and, and in New Jersey, and their nickname is the Casey's, which happens to be my name. So, And it's where you grew up, right, initially, where I, you were born. I was born in Red Bank, New Jersey. Yes, sir. So, I mean, if that doesn't mean Notre Dame's going to win, I don't know what does. The last time we saw Al Golden, it was his last game at Miami. So, we'll, hey, we'll sh- you like Al Golden. It's positivity. And uh, if it, seriously, if you're not listening, uh, like Sluggo Podcast, go check him out. Him and Marty do a great job. I've been on their show. Uh, they, they end their show, which is relatable to everybody. They... They bet with sluggo bucks, but it's fun. It's enjoyable. It is a lot of Clemson stuff, much like mine's Notre Dame stuff. But uh, good guys. But if you're not appealed to Clemson stuff, I get it. But do check out Chopping Beef. I've referenced it. I don't know how many times. I've been on there how many times. It's just three, and when you include me, four amigos just shooting the shit. It's a blast. But the newest endeavor he's on is this Message Board Geniuses podcast. You gotta go check it out. That's where the skipping and waving. I'm letting all I'm gonna tell you is go listen, and you will start laughing hysterically when you hear the skipping and waving. That's all you need to know. Just go listen for some skipping and waving. And uh, yeah, I I'm so glad he was able to do this. Schedules did work out, sort of. <laughs> like I, I'm like, yeah, I, I'm about to uh, once I end this. Um, I'm going to have to uh, run out the door and as I go throughout my day, post it and write all my notes and get it out there. We'll, we'll figure out a way. We'll figure out a way. But I, I just, I'm glad we were able to do this. This is something I've been looking forward to doing. It's Notre Dame. It's Clemson. We've been friends for, I, I don't know how long anymore. It, it's, it feels longer than it's really been. So thank you for, for being here. And, again, it's a Saturday. We have to make it count. And I'm going to make it count by doing a lot of Jameson and watching Ballyhoo. But I need Notre Dame on the field to make it count because there are only only so many Saturdays. Make them count. Go to SaturdaysCount.com. 40% off your order with the promo code ND5. Please go there. Please check it out. These guys are are doing a cool thing. I'm going to keep saying it this way. Only so many Saturdays make them count. It's awesome because it's so damn literal. It can't be said any other way. And how, what, how many Saturdays we got left, Case? Not many. Four. Four. Literally a month left. Remember all the hype and all the excitement? And we're down to four. So, got to make a count. Go get your t-shirts. Any color. Pick your favorite color. Pick the blue and gold. Pick the purple and orange. I don't care. Favorite color. Saturdayscount.com. Promo code ND5, 40% off. And 
I think an hour and 15 minutes later, we did this thing. <laughs> I think. Um, any last words of wisdom before I end this call and then I can start actually talking shit about Clemson? I've been, I've been being respectful to you. Now, uh, I, I'm, I'm gonna, we're, we're going to end this together. So everything I say about Clemson, you're going to know. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pull that card. Be like, oh, thanks, beef. All right, now that he's gone, guys, guess what? <laughs> nah, not, nothing. Uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I was always a Notre Dame hater until I met you. I still don't like them, but I respect them and respect the program. And, and actually, I'm a Marcus Freeman fan. So uh, I wish you luck every other week except this one. And I hope it's a good game. Everyone comes out healthy and all that other cliches. There you go, Coach Speak. Love it. All right, guys, um, I'm going to leave you with a little bit of what I'm going to be doing Saturday night. Enjoy the next two minutes of Ballyhoo. I won't listen to it, give you an entire song, but you're going to enjoy a few few moments of Ballyhoo music. I hope it turns you on to them. Go check out Message Board Geniuses. Go check out Sluggo Podcast, Chopping Beef. Always come back to listen to me. Not too much ranting and raving because me, me and Beef just have fun. We just we have fun. And he didn't really give me an opportunity to rant about anything. But I'm sure it'll happen when I recap the the game. Don't worry. But thank you all for tuning in. Until Saturday, when Irish car bombs will be a-flowing, go Irish, beat Tigers. I'm going to let you have a moment. Go ahead. Go Clemson. (laughs) Go Tigers. That was the worst. That, That was... Hey, we're we're effectively live. I don't edit, so that that's that's Go Tigers. Tigers, alright. Alright. Go Irish. Five foot nothing. Hundred nothing. Out.
Let's go, Irish. I know we can live through this. We got this. Go, Irish. Beat Tigers.